Hello and a warm welcome to Living Fabulously with Bev. The mission for the show is to get to the heart of well-being through inspirational stories of everyday people, expert insights from a number of health and lifestyle related disciplines, and exploration of topics that underpin well-being. If you want to take control of your well-being and put yourself front and center in your life, then this is the podcast for you. I want you to feel calm, nurtured and inspired so you can enjoy your life and your success. If you have not yet done so, please subscribe, rate and review on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you know someone else that would get value from the show as well, please share it with them. Join me on this journey and let's live the fab life together. Today, I'm really delighted to introduce my guest, Dr. Heather Clark, who, like me, is a recovering perfectionist. Welcome, Heather. Thank you so much for having me, Bev. It's just going to be so great today. I know that. So tell me a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do. I facilitate magic. I help people really close the gap between who who they really are and how they're being. And that's where the magic is. That's when you get the most energy in your life. That's when you get the best health. And it's so much fun. And how would you describe your well-being journey, Heather? I would describe it as really a lifelong journey without me actually realizing that it was. It started a long time ago. When I was a kid, I wanted to be an artist and in fact had planned to go to art school and had won some poster contests and all these things. Well, when I got into high school, I started to get the idea that I wouldn't be able to support myself as an artist. Whether or not that's actually true is a separate issue, but I decided to go into pharmacy because, you know, that's the same thing. Pharmacy school was very challenging. It's certainly not an easy degree. And I decided to just suck it up and push through. And, you know, looking back, there's some different turns I totally could have taken. However, that was part of the journey. And I kept thinking, it'll be better when I'm out and practicing. And it wasn't. I got out and I tried several different practice settings. I worked in retail. I worked in long-term care. I worked in hospital, all these different practice settings. And none of them were a fit for me. And what it boils down to is it just didn't light me up. Now, there are people for whom pharmacy is an excellent fit. I think that's fantastic. There's nothing wrong with the profession. It just isn't for me. Because for me, my own experience was I was solving the same problem 50 times a day instead of solving 50 different problems. And it really wasn't taking advantage of who I truly am. And then with the benefit of hindsight, I can look back and see how I'm very empathic and that was not only not terribly useful in pharmacy, in many ways, it was a liability on many different levels. So for instance, I'd be rounding with the, um, with the team of physicians in the intensive care unit and trying to discuss one particular patient, but the patient next door was very ill and in fact, actively dying. And my peers considered it unprofessional that I couldn't simply focus on 
the patient we were talking about, like worried about their cholesterol medication when the person in the next room was literally dying. Not a fit for me. And again, I kept, well, maybe I need to work harder. Maybe I need to buckle down. Maybe I just need a different practice setting. And none of that worked. And what actually happened is because I was trying to push through and do all these things that aren't aligned for me, I burned out. I went from, you know, super healthy, working several 12-hour shifts a week, telling people, you know, I only ran three miles today. It was a really light day you know, that type of active to within, for me, a couple of weeks of, gosh, I can barely get off the couch. I loaded the dishwasher. That's cause for celebration. I would take a shower and then need to lay down for about 10 or 15 minutes to rest up from the shower. Like not me at all. I had trouble with memory. I couldn't remember the class of the drug lisinopril. Now, that is information that I had known since 1993. It was bad news, and it was terrifying. And nothing in my training had not only not prepared me for this, but I had no idea what was going on. So I went to several different physicians. It took several because we couldn't figure out what was going on. And it was increasingly expensive and exotic tests And they kept coming back, fine. I don't know, Heather, you're fine. Looks like you're fine. And I remember just looking at them, oh, I assure you, I am not fine. This is not okay. This is not a new normal. And there was even one physician who's like, "Uh, I don't know, looks like you're fine. With that big pause that let me know they thought it was all in my head. And I remember I looked at him, I was like, look, if it's all in my head, that's fine. But we need to fix that. Like This is not okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, and finally, I was referred to a functional medicine physician. And she listened to the entire story and looked at me and said, well, Heather, you've got adrenal fatigue. And I remember so clearly, I looked at her, frowned a little bit and said, oh, I have been to school for a lot of years, and I have never heard of adrenal fatigue. (laughs) But then she explained it to me. She's like, well, this is what happens, and here's all the different hormone imbalances, and your body's started out making a lot of cortisol, and it stole all the other ingredients, and now you can not making as much, and you're tired, and on and on. And I remember thinking, that makes perfect sense. So... She recommended some supplements for me, and the issue was it was 12 pages of suggestions, so it was a little overwhelming. Remember, I'm having a hard time even showering. I'm having to sleep through my lunch break. I have all these issues, and I got 12 pages of stuff to wade through. Wow. So that's why the recovery journey was a lot longer for me than it is for my clients, but I did some additional training. So I'm a functional medicine specialist and functional medicine is simply a science-based approach that looks to get to the root of the problem. That's kind of what that is in a nutshell. So I thought I am on the right track here. I am feeling better. This is a lot more fun. And I began to really help people recover. 
And using a program that I was trained in, I've tweaked it and it's gotten better. So I really help people recover from burnout. And then I took a coaching program that had me doing a lot of things that I wouldn't normally do because I was looking to grow my business. And this is when the next big piece came into place because I was doing all these new things. I was getting different results and I had three people in the course of 10 days tell me, well, Heather, you know, you're psychic, right? (laughs) I don't don't know if you can imagine, Bev, the very buttoned down, well, that's Dr. Clark. (laughs) And no, no, this is a very science-based approach. No, no, I don't even do any of this. I just couldn't receive that. So the first person who told me that I was like, what? I, whatever. Okay. And I just ignored it and moved on. And then the next person, like, what are you even talking about? That doesn't make sense. And I got a little argumentative with her and she's like, it simply means you're very deeply intuitive and very empathic. And she explained it from that perspective. It's like, yeah, I don't know. And by the third person, it's like, ah, crap. Now I'm going to have to look into this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so funny now. It wasn't really funny at the time. And physically, I was feeling a lot better, but things were still off. So I'm like, fine, I'll look into this. And I did a little bit more training and did a lot more intuitive work. And that's like a whole other story. And it was just, it was so funny, but I was committed to delivering whatever came through my intuition because I wasn't approaching it from a ooh, let me explore my gifts. I was approaching it from, let me prove this is not a thing so I can get back to what I was doing. (laughs) (laughs) But, But the joke was on me because as I began to do the work, as I began to deliver whatever messages came through, I was able to help people on a completely different level And it was not only deeply satisfying, what I discovered is when I'm in the work, I feel so alive. Like that was the missing piece. It's just, it's like I can feel the light from the inside radiating out. And that's when I realized, okay, (laughs) this was a big missing piece. This was a, it's a huge part of me that I wasn't utilizing. And Heather, you've mentioned the in two different instances, you've used the words burnout and adrenal fatigue. So mm-hmm. let's explore that. What is the relationship between adrenal fatigue and burnout? Burnout is a, a large category and adrenal fatigue is a subset of this category. So burnout includes all sorts of things, including, say, in the workplace, when employees are not engaged One way of of addressing that is burnout. Also, if you're feeling fatigue in your body, mentally, emotionally, or even physically or spiritually, the big label for that is burnout. And that's like a whole, there's a, a whole lot of things within burnout. And adrenal fatigue is a special subset of burnout. And it's a little bit of a misnomer. Because it's not, you know, your adrenals aren't really fatigued, but it's an easy way to think about it because it is, it's a very specific physical response 
to, and it really results in all sorts of things, including fatigue and memory loss and other hormonal imbalances, lots of mood changes, irritability. I had irritability in spades. It was very bad news, <laughs> mood swings. And then there's different stages of adrenal fatigue. I happen to be in late stage three of the three stages. The question then is, because some of those symptoms would possibly be linked to other illness or disease. So how do you actually know that you're dealing with adrenal fatigue? Yes, that's very important. Thank you for bringing that up because a lot of the symptoms of burnout and adrenal fatigue are vague, general, nonspecific, and have a lot of overlap with other very serious conditions. So if you've taken a few days off of work and rested up and you still feel like this, see your physician. It's crucial that you get some very serious health problems ruled out before you start addressing things on your own beyond typical lifestyle changes. So yeah, that's, that's crucial. And then as far as how can you tell, the best way to tell is to do a four-point saliva cortisol test. However, there is another way that you can do it without actually before you actually get into the test. I've developed a screening test that's actually, it correlates very well with the lab test. And you can find that at isitburnout.com. And is that a quiz? Yeah, it's a quiz and it's free and you get your results emailed to you. And I've been very surprised at how well it correlates with what's actually going on in the body. So it's an excellent screening tool. Yes, because I guess like like you say, you spent a lot of money having weird and wonderful tests. And I'm sure yes. many people can relate to the expense of that. I personally could have built a big deck outside of my back of my house with the money I spent on tests <laughs> and going to different doctors. So if if let's say we are now understand we're dealing with adrenal fatigue, how can people begin their recovery process? The easiest way to begin to recover, and this sounds a little silly, but is to first decide that you will recover. And I get it. It's like, well, who wouldn't decide that? Well, it can be very difficult when you're in that place because a lot of people feel terrible. And sometimes there's a secondary benefit to feeling terrible. <laughs> a lot because if you felt better, maybe you'd have to work more. Maybe you'd have to spend more time doing those things that you didn't like to do. So that's the first one is to decide to. And then if you are in a spot where you've actually got the physical symptoms, because honestly, once you get physical symptoms, that is your clue that the problem has been raging for a long time. So to help manage the physical symptoms, it's do basic self-care, like create a situation where you're likely to get plenty of sleep. Now, you may or may not be able to sleep, but if you go to bed at midnight and the alarm goes off at six, guess what? That's not going to work for you long term. <laughs> if you yeah. go to bed at 10, you've got a better shot at getting enough sleep. So there's sleep and then there's eating well that supports you. And that means different things for different people. But to just make it simple, eat 
more vegetables than you already are and um, avoid gluten. Gluten for many people is inflammatory and it's an easy way. I know it sounds really hard. Once you do it, it's actually pretty easy, but it's an easy way to really get rid of some of that stress coming into your body through food. And really, um, for a lot of people, this one is my favorite. It's really embrace the idea that no is a complete sentence. and there's you don't have to be no you can just say no and then should you choose to offer an explanation you can but you don't have to you're not obligated to but those are some basic ways to really get started because it all comes down to eliminating stress out of your life I was thinking in terms of the time frame for recovery I guess it depends which stage of of adrenal fatigue you're in, how long that process is. It does. If you, without, because you don't have to get somebody to help you recover. You can recover on your own. The way that it's helpful is it shaves time off of the recovery process. Because on average, the recovery for adrenal fatigue is around three or four years before it's 100% recovery. I know. It's a long time. (laughs) And using a program, you can get that down to, depending on where you started, it can be as little as six to 12 months. Now, what I noticed with my clients is for many people, we've been able to cut that time down even more. Occasionally, it is, well, one person recovered within a month, but she's the exception. But it's sometimes it's as little as three months, but really it's right around six months. And that's because I'm bringing in the intuitive practices to really help the people close that gap between who they really are and how they're being. And that really jumpstarts things. You spoke earlier about, you know, your dream was to be an artist. You ended up being a pharmacist. It didn't gel with you and who you really are. You've thankfully found your way to where you want to be. So In your view, how do people get into this stress state where it's sort of not aligned with who you really are? Well, it's stress, and stress comes in lots of different forms, but there's a root stress. Like the stress under that is the stress of being someone you're not. And it's, let me just, I have a framework and a structure that I've been working with. And it's really interesting. I essentially downloaded this from the universe. It's, I call it the identity gap. And it's a a structure that kind of helps people visualize what I'm talking about. So here it is. When you come into the world, you are wired a particular way. This is who you really are. This does not change. And then when you're very young, you develop a way of being or a personality a persona, an identity. And when you're very young, your identity is really very close to who you really are or your soul. And it's the way you interface with the world. Now, the trouble is through a series of very small decisions, your identity gets further and further away from who you really are until pretty quick the distance between them is very great and how you're being bears very little relationship to who you really are. 
all of the stress and tension in life is in the gap between those two. And this, your identity is all about safety and belonging. So somebody praised you for getting high marks on a math test. Great. Now I'm going to step into math, whether or not that's something that your soul actually gets lit up about. This is how a lot of approval seeking behaviors come in. This is how a lot of doing things because you feel like you should, or you're supposed to, or you ought to comes in. And that creates a bigger and bigger separation from who you really are. That's the identity gap. Now, here's how it relates to energy. Because like in my life, when I would do something artistic, I would feel more energetic. And when I do intuitive work, I am like, fully alive, like completely energized, like I'm channeling it all through my body. So here's how it relates. So if you imagine you take a wire, so you take a straight wire, and then you bend it into a circle where the ends touch. So that circle, let's let that represent your energy channel. And everybody has the same capacity to channel energy. I call it vital force energy. This is the energy that runs everything. It's the energy in your body, mental energy, emotional energy, spiritual. It it runs your bank account, all kinds of stuff, relationships, everything. So that's vital force energy. This is your energy channel. Now imagine that you take in your right hand one piece of the wire and in your left hand the other piece of the wire. So that when you move your hands apart, the circle gets smaller. So let one hand represent your soul, the other your identity. As your identity gap gets bigger, as your hands get further and further apart, your energy channel gets smaller and smaller. And the bigger your identity gap, the less energy you can get into your life. Until pretty quick, it's like you're trying to drink a thick milkshake through a very small straw. Wow, that's quite profound. And we're going to be doing some of this on videos. That's an amazing analogy because that identity gap is something that we actually are not often cognizant of until our bodies actually have been giving us signals all along the way and we haven't been taking notice because we're we're not we're not aware of it. Exactly. You're getting feedback from your soul all the time. I call them soul signals. And it, but if you're not tuned into it, it's really hard to tell. May I share a tool that I like to use to help people? It really gives people a GPS for how to get back. That would be awesome. To Okay, fantastic. So it's pretty straightforward. So go ahead and put your feet on the floor and sit up straighter. And what we'll do first is breathe to shut off our stress response system. So I happen to like an inhale for six, hold for four, out for eight. So we'll do that together. And hold, two, three, four, and exhale. So that shuts off our stress response system so it's easier to tap in. And then I'd like you to notice any reaction in your body, how your body feels, any knowing, anything, anything, when I say these two statements. 
Statement one. Truth, my body likes to drink water. Statement two. Truth, my body likes to drink paint thinner. Did you notice the difference between them? For sure. <laughs> yeah. How is the first one for you? Well, the first one sort of feels light and I could pick visualize a glass of water, you know, and I've actually got a big glass right next to me. So that was easy. <laughs> and when you went to the second statement about the paint thinner, I can I could actually feel my face crunching up and this sort of like contraction you know um yeah quite different feelings both 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 independent of one another fantastic I call that tool the light and heavy tool and so when it's true for you true with a capital t it will feel light or open or bright or some people hear music or they have just a certainty and when it's not true for you, when it's a lie for you, it can feel heavy or closed or dark or, or you hear a lower note or something like that. That's how you can tune in. And it's real helpful to set that. For some people, the, the water and the paint thinner is too dramatic. So you might try using your name. Like what would work for, for you potentially is, truth, my name is Bev. Truth, my name is Frank. Something, like you say, is, is not yeah. too big a leap. Exactly. And now you have a tool that you can use all the time. It's completely free. It works really well. And it helps you tune in to what's going to either widen your identity gap or close your identity gap. So when you close it, you're removing stress. And you can use this for... Um, anything. So let's say, oh, I'm in the mood for ice cream. And then, well, I don't know, my body doesn't always like ice cream. Should I really do that? Is that going to create a stress? And you can just shut it down. Okay. Breathe in, hold, breathe out, get your baseline. Truth. My body likes to drink water. Truth. My body likes to drink paint thinner. Truth. Ice cream is in my highest and best good for me right now. And if it's light, done have it and if it's not now you know that it's not in your highest and best good and you can still choose to do it anyway but at least you've got the information <laughs> but, you know sometimes you're like but I really want ice cream it's not like you can't have it but understand that your soul was very clear and said no it's not in our highest best good and there might be some consequences yes, yes consequences and Heather, I mean, we've talked about two fascinating concepts here. So I'm just wondering if you've still got more in the tank here, but what are your tips for living fabulously? Ooh, living fabulously. Oh, I love that word. Really, it's a commitment and a decision to live fabulously. If you decide, I live fabulously. That right there makes a lot of other choices for you. <laughs> You're cutting out things that aren't fabulous. And self-care is crucial for this. The basic self-care tips I gave earlier. There's also some profound self-care tips, like setting boundaries for yourself with that decision to live fabulously. 
Now you've got a new boundary. Well, you know, this doesn't align with my desire to live fabulously. So I'm a no on this. Like, will going to visit this person bring me closer to living fabulously or further away? And again, you can use that heavy and light tool if you're not clear. And really tuning into that GPS and listening to it. Because as I've done that, I know my life has gotten dramatically more fabulous. And so has the, the lives of my clients by simply using these tools. Thank you for that. You can find Dr. Heather Clark at vibrantagain.com and also on Facebook under Vibrant Again. Heather, thank you so much for sharing your own journey with us and inspiring us to actually rise above that misalignment that we sometimes have found ourselves in. And I love that you have created very practical tools. I mean, the first tool you shared was your quiz about Is It Burnout at isitburnout.com. The second one was really understanding your identity gap and that analogy of how far apart the soul and the identity can become in our lives. And this third one that you've just taken us through was your light and heavy tool to sort of find your own GPS as you navigate through all sorts of decisions in your life. Because when we talk about burnout and adrenal fatigue, they never happened overnight. They are a consequence of inauthenticity of what you're doing and what your soul desires. So um, it's been really clear to me that your tips that you gave about recovery are, you know, about making the decision to recover. And I get what you say about the secondary benefits because sometimes for people, and it's not actually been my case, but I think some people get it more attention when they haven't been well. And that actually could feed a need, you know, in them without them consciously knowing. And so making that decision to recover, I think, is critical. And also taking back control, you know, because like you, I also experienced this where you've been from doctor to doctor to doctor and they don't have solutions necessarily. But you along the way with making your own steps like I have. And you've talked about basic self-care and I love that you've added now sort of taking profound self-care. So it's from the practical to things like quality sleep, eating well, exercising, drinking water, all those type of things about your self-care. But it's also about setting healthy boundaries and ensuring that when, and I love your, your next tip was, you know, embrace the notion that no is a complete sentence. So once you've done your checking in, is this what I need to be doing? Does this cross a boundary that I want to uphold? And then it gives you that um, concept of sort of saying no. So three sort of ways to take care of yourself, whether you have adrenal fatigue or not. But they are obviously really fantastic ways that people can embrace it. So thank you so much for being on the show with me today. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much, Bev. Thank you so much for listening and you can get the links and any references from this episode in the show notes at my website www.livingfabulously.com forward slash podcasts. Have you heard about Sleep Timber? It's a month to focus on restorative sleep and it's a month packed with so much goodness for you. 
What will it take for you to take care of yourself? Head to www.sleeptember.com.au to find out about the free events and sign up to join a movement of sleep lovers. Until next time, be sure to live the fab life. The information shared here and in our programs and webinars should not be seen as medical advice and is not meant to take the place of seeing licensed health professionals.